I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words Betting Podcast. I am joined by my co-host Brett. Brett, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are we doing, mate? Yeah, good. Good to have you back on, mate. Nice to hear your voice. Uh, week off. Obviously, seems to be the case at the moment. It's like ships passing in the night. If we if we have you, we don't have Jason and vice versa. Um, so yes, it is the two of us tonight. Um, we will hopefully get us all back on regularly at some point. It's just. Look, schedules. It's a busy, busy season, uh, long season, and I just, I don't expect people to be able to do it every week. Like it's as simple as that. So if anyone's wondering why we're kind of two out of three most weeks, that that's really why. Um, just a busy time and summer holidays and things like that. So, um, but yeah, that out of the way, Brad. I didn't, I didn't watch golf last week, which is mm-hmm. rare. Uh, I was away, um, and then just generally busy and I didn't really have anyone in the mix over the weekend so yeah how much of the PJ did you watch well no I was I was away as well and yeah. so I come back late and uh yeah the, the playoff was actually still going and um obviously the first half but yeah I just caught it and obviously brilliant to see Glover get the win but I didn't see much leading up to that so all I've had is highlights to go off of and uh he just remained in there, didn't he? Just kept fighting. But from what I saw, he just kept fighting down that back nine, uh, Lucas Glover. Um, and he obviously got his rewards in the playoffs. So I yes. just I'm rooting for him so badly to make that team. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because, like, in one hand, you're like, oh, it'd be quite handy if Lucas Glover or Brian Harm and Wyndham Clark, all these kind of players that don't really get on Ryder Cup teams are on the team. And then you've got potentially an out-of-form JT, uh, up and down, Jordan Spieth. Suddenly you start to feel quite good about the team um, and the Ryder Cup. But mm-hmm. I don't like, Lucas Glover might be like a top 10 player in the world with this passer. Like it, like it could, it could yeah. be. It, I mean, <laughs> he literally made the point the other day. He was like, I don't know if you watched that clip of the PJ Tour put out, but yeah, it was yeah. like, um, I just wonder, like I hate to wonder what would happen if I switched this. And he goes like, it's actually painful to even think about. And it's like, yeah, like you've spent, mm-hmm. like how has it taken you 11 years or whatever it was to, to really make your decision? Um, when he was mm-hmm. potentially putting left-handed and things like that, I mean, it's mental. I think so. how much he could have won. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, like, and people, I think like the, the easiest thing in the world to say is like, oh, if someone could putt, they'd win X amount of tournaments. But like he is one that for years, like, because he does pick up a win here and there and has yeah. obviously won a major in, in the US Open. Like, you would believe it like he's obviously good enough he's obviously got the mental strength apart from when he was passing from two feet so um mm-hmm. yeah good good to see him winning um not great for betting when when he you know i've backed him two or three times and he goes back to back and i wasn't on either time um <laughs> so 40 to one this week for the hat trick yeah um, maybe just go for him again i mean there's two there's two people on three pizzas this week isn't there? there's patrick cantley going for a three bmw championships in a row and Lucas mm-hmm. going for three wins in a row. So uh, like the same playoff come uh, come Sunday. Imagine be... that. What what a scene that would be. <laughs> uh, just Lucas Glover goes into a chance winning the 18 million or whatever it is on uh, East Lake would be quite something. Um, but let's let's go to the DP World Tour first because it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk about it. Spanish um, yeah, tours obviously been going on for for a while. Brad, like they've not mm-hmm. really had a break. Um, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, a little bit briefly, kind of over message and stuff. Earlier in the season, I got kind of caught out. I can't remember if you did as well, like picking 
Japanese players for the Japan mm-hmm. thinking that because they'd been playing regularly in the DP World Tour had been off, that was a good thing. And I I wonder if the same thing can happen this week with Challenge Tour players. But the players that we'll come on to and talk about at length, I think you would pick probably regardless of whether they were like, if the DP World Tour was still going, if you know what I mean. Exactly that, yeah. I think you've got to have the balance. And I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, we did get hurt in Japan. I think we both played a similar sort of uh, yeah. tactic in that event. Um, but look, these players, I think a, a lot of them have even seen the course before. Um, they've had experience playing the DP World Tour, whereas the Japanese players, they haven't. You know, it's a whole yeah. tour for them. And there's, I just feel like they've already got in their mind that they're on the sort of right track to be on the DP World Tour, whereas... These Japanese players, they probably didn't even... Um, it's a pretty new concept for them, like having yeah. that opportunity. I guess maybe it means more than to them as well, Brad. Like they're, they're, yeah. kind of, they're not in the wilderness because they're playing in a very good and, you know, great level tour for where they're from. But, like, getting onto a global tour and having to leave home to do it is, you know, a big step. Yeah. Whereas, you know, just kind of lifting your form, I guess, slightly from the Challenge Tour to the DP World Tour, I think. I mean... How do we view this event? How much bigger is it than a than a top grade challenge tour event? I guess. Yeah, no, I don't think there's a lot. Of it. As we've seen with like Daniel Gavin's like stealing the title with his final round what was that 2021. Um, so I, I just don't think we've seen we've seen players here come off the uh, challenge tour and perform well all the time on the deep world tour. I don't think there is an awful lot between them. I think a lot of it comes down to mentality. Um, and if you're ready, you're ready. I, I mean, I I think it's an, an absolute brilliant opportunity for these players. As we obviously it's a weakened field. The players, uh, DP World Tour players, haven't um, been playing regularly, so they, you expect a little bit of rust there. And the uh, Challenge Tour players should be coming into it a bit more uh, competitively ready. And uh, obviously, a lot is at stake for them. They could get a card this week, which what they've been playing for all year. So they could fast track that. So yeah, I really like the idea of taking a few challenge tour players this week yeah and i think also look you look at it in 2019 it was a challenge tour event um jack senior beat matthew baldwin uh stephanie mm-hmm. Mendo beat charlie Howen in the women's uh 2021 daniel gavin's wins who at the time was a glorified challenge tour player he's obviously come on since then he beat uh, david horsey who was obviously a good dp world tour pro but even last year like ewan ferguson beats connor simon and borgia verto like all kind of challenge tour, regular kind of DP World. So it's not like it's been won by McIntyre, Ryan Fox and, and Moronk or whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. there very much is the opportunity there for for good players, but the players are not necessarily approving it at the top level or have done in the past and are now coming back to form, which will be interesting to talk about later on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, let's, let's dive straight into it. I mean, this is... Uh, with the announcement of the schedule, this is the final edition of this ISPS Hand World Invitational. Uh, it's not on the 2024 European Tour schedule or DP World Tour schedule. So um, one thing to keep in mind, it is being played at Galhorn Castle again uh, over the weekend and for one of the first two rounds. But Brad, a bit of a change in the fact that Castle Rock Golf Club uh, is taken over from Massarine as a secondary venue this week. Yeah, we've got a links course, and uh, I don't think you want to be playing that on Friday because it looks <laughs> that looks where the weather looks and nasty. So um, actually, my first selection is actually unfortunately hasn't had the draw I was hoping for, but um, a, a few a few of my other selections have, so I can't complain too much. But yeah, I don't. I, I you know what, Galgorm Castle isn't going to be um, 
a walk in the park in bad weather either. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'd rather they would be playing Galgorm on Friday. Yeah, it's something to consider. I mean, look, we we kind of put our bets in. Normally we'd be doing this on a Monday and we've made our bets and the tea times have come out since. So if we were recording this yesterday, we didn't have that hindsight. Uh, we do this time, but we're committed to the players we've got. And look, I don't want to start second guessing myself whether it can change all the time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good to point out that as it stands, you want to be playing it in, in the bias that you said. Um, so we'll go on to the top of the odds board. Robert McIntyre is best price 14 to 1, generally 12 to 1. Uh, Victor Perez 16 to 1. Ewan Ferguson 18 to 1. Romain Langask 20 to 1. Laurie Cantor and Adrian Otegi 22 to 1. Um, interesting board, I would say. Like yes. McIntyre worthy favourite, I guess. That's, it's pretty hard to kind of argue with the way he played uh, the Scottish Open. I think Victor Perez is, is always going to be here at this level of field. My first pick is Ewan Ferguson. I'm going to go straight into it. And I, I toss and turn about this. And, you know, you sort of said to me, you were hoping for kind of 20 to 1 and bigger on him before kind of even considering him. And I, and I do understand that, you know, is Ewan Ferguson and he's very volatile. But it is a challenge to our event, basically. But for, for all intents and purposes, maybe there's probably 20 players who'd really go, OK, these are these are strong DP World Tour players. But... For the most part, he's beating Challenge Tour players, and um, I trust him to do that. The, the way he's playing, uh, the form that he's showing in recent weeks, um, you know, albeit he missed the cut at the Open Championship, I don't mind too much about that. I think there was, you know, certainly some interest around him that week with being the B-Tech Ricky Fowler and, um, you know, just, you know, playing in an Open Championship as a Scotsman always comes with a little bit of pressure. So that... And the, but just looking into it before that, like eighth for the KLM Open, 14th for the European Open, and fourth for the British Masters, 12th for the Scottish Open. Like he was in really strong form. He's obviously returning as a defending champion. He's someone that won twice last year, could have won three or four times. Um, you know, Jason, I'll tell you how unlucky he was to, to lose Solly Wilson in Denmark. So I don't really see, like, all of that to kind of say that he's, he is 18 to 1, but I just think he is that class now um, in this type of field. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And uh, he has drifted a little. Like He was 16s across the board. Yeah. So, yeah, whether that might be due to his tee time, I'm not sure. But I've seen there's quite a bit of a drift in quite a few players I'm seeing now. Um, but either way, I think um, you can trust him, can't you, now in contention? I feel like he doesn't like, I think he's been, there was a few... Um, occasions early on where he was like falling away if he got a sniff of the lead he's cost him but I think now if he's up there he sort of stays and he does contend and look he's a winner and he's done it what two three times now hasn't he yeah two times so he should should have went four as Jason would say yeah and Uh, and the thing is to your point Brad like it is a case of just he's either in the mix or he's not it's not a case of whether he can do it in contention just sometimes he doesn't like Third at the STC Championship, fourth at Johnson Whirlway, missed the cut at the Italian Open, then 33rd, 8th, 14th, two missed cuts, fourth, 12th mm. missed cut. Like, if he makes the cut, he's definitely in contention for the most part. So um, I'm just banking on him really coming to an event that he's loved. I mean, obviously, when you look at course form on tour tips, that's going to be based on Galgorm Castle for the most yeah. part. Uh, you know, the 2020 Irish Open was just a Galgorm, I believe, but like, and the other, the other two renewals were kind of uh, different. But I don't think the Lynx test is going to be... Yeah, you'd uh, fancy him around the Lynx test. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And wire to wire here last year. So just just really trust him uh, to do that. So 18 to 1, he's uh, he's my headline selection. It does seem short, but 
it's not, I don't think, in reflection. No, it's so, fine. Yeah. Um, go with that. Uh, interesting to note that Laurie Cantor's playing this week. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's not a live player anymore. He's, he was always a reserve anyway, but I think Sam Horsfield is back, which means that Laurie Cantor's oh. basically back to this. So that, I'm guessing that's what's happened because mm-hmm. he was a reserve for the Majestics. And the only way I can see him playing this is if he's not playing in Live Chicago because. I think they, they kind of made it up that like he's allowed to play because he's paid up all his fines and he, I think he's basically not played a DP World Tour event when he sh- not played a live event when he could have played a DP World Tour event basically so he's kind of not broken the rules. Um, okay. So it's an interesting case. I mean, it's weird because I don't see why they would make an exception for Laurie Cantor. So there must be a no, no, exactly. pretty, pretty interesting guideline um, as to why he's to him. But he's here and. Obviously, yeah, he, he opened up at 28, so quite a yeah. big price with Paddy Power. And I was like, woof, um, don't tempt me. <laughs> when he played the way he did in the open, you uh, you would certainly yeah. think he hit the ball well that week. The only thing I would say, he's not played that well on Liv. Um, he hasn't. He's been, he's been the steady of that team, um, but that's because the team's not been very good. I mean, he's what, what did you say about Horsfield? Sorry, because I, I haven't seen him for ages. Is he suffering from an injury or something? He was, like yeah, he was injured. So I think I think he's now coming back, and it's because uh-huh. he's coming back. The cancer's now off. Like he he yeah. basically stepped in for cancer uh, for Horsfield. Yeah, yeah. So that. um, yeah, that, that's that's the, what I'm expecting to happen anyway. So mm-hmm. um, it might come out that it's, it's completely different, and they're just letting him play. But when I saw his name, I thought, oh, you know, are we going to get more? players come over like are they just allowing them to play now after the yeah. announcement but no that's not the case i think he is a, a different circumstance um but let's come on to your first pick uh local player. yes local um obviously represents galgum castle as it's touring professional uh tom mckibben um he uses the course and his facility between events see is of course it's a course he knows extremely well it's competed in like numerous times as a amateur more recently as a professional um he did miss the cut in his first four starts at galgan castle but he obviously was an amateur then um since then turned professional um he has finished 26th in 2021 and 10th last year in this event and i think uh the, the change in support course might be a good one uh because uh he's struggled on Massarine. Like, um, he shot McKibben shot 69 66 and 69 around galgan castle last year but struggled with a, a round of 72 around Masarine. so i imagine the change of course will be more welcome and of course his game is suited to links golf as well a bit like uh, mckibben you fancy they get um a bit like sorry um ferguson like your first yeah. pick i think you'd fancy them around a, a links test so i hope hopefully it works in his favor um he is of course a winner now um on the dp world tour he won the european open four starts ago um and he had a bit of a calm down after that which we see so often um of course unless you're lucas glover of course <laughs> but it was it was good to see that performance at the scottish open before the break i really like that it was a solid 35th place finish and in, in a decent field um it would have like left a nice taste in his mouth and yeah this is an event he'll he might have circled in his calendar he'll want to win and uh, now he's got that one under his belt i can't see why I, he can't grab another one. He's a he's a brilliant talent, and he's only going to get better. Um, and yes, well, I was he hasn't got the tea time I uh, would have liked, but we we run with it. I still think he's drifted. He's twenty eight to one now. He was twenty five. So I I am noticing that the, the the players that are playing 
um, the Lynx course on Friday, I think there is a bit of a drift in the market. Um, but yeah, seven place uh, bet Fred alternative place market that's twenty eight to one. So huh. yeah, yeah. Look, I think I think with McKibbin, it's one of those ones where you, you've seen. He missed the cut, didn't he, directly after his win, but he actually opened with a 68. I think he was like 10th after round one at the European Open, then shot an 80 or something, which is very easy to do around that golf course. And I don't, I don't necessarily mind the fact that he's not been brilliant since. Like, it's not easy to sustain form, especially with all the changing events, the, the different scheduling things. And, and also, he's just very green as a player still. So the fact that he's got that win says everything. Um, yes. you know, he's ready to go and he's, he's at home now. And really good point you made there that he struggled with Masarine before, like, People won't necessarily pick up on that. They go, oh, you know, he's not done as well on at a course that he should have done because he's a he's a member there. Well, no, it's it's the other course. So mm-hmm. a little bit like the Dunhill links, I suppose, in the sense of like, you know, some people just can't play Carnoustie or whatever. Like it, exactly, you yeah. do just you need to dive into those a little bit more. So uh, good information on that. Uh, Jason's first couple of picks this week: David Law and Matthew Southgate, both thirty-three to one. Uh, David Law obviously coming back into a little bit of form. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good off the tee, David Law. I don't, I don't. I've fallen into that trap a couple of times. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know what to really do with him. I don't know what to make of him. Like, like he went sixth, twelfth, and fifteenth. And I thought, oh, he's, I can't remember if it was Himmeland or the British uh, Masters. I went for him, but you know, he missed the cut. And then comes back last week and he was third at the halfway mark, ninth um, overall in the Scottish Challenge. So definitely showing some mm-hmm. form, uh, David Law, and, and doing some nice near the top. How he didn't win in Japan, I'll never know. Um, <laughs> that was just uh, very unfortunate. And then, and then the other one, Matthew Southgate, is obviously going to be delighted that they've added on a, a Lynx course to this. Um, yeah. I, I have my doubts about Southgate as a as a winner, but yes, it's very hard too. to argue that you know last two starts he's been tenth in Himland, uh, where he finished. What was it with a 61? We had a chance at 59 on Sunday. Um, and then he's he's made the cut of the open in eleventh place going into the weekend and finished twenty third. So, um, you know, productive run of form for Matthew Southgate. Does feel like it's like now or never for Southgate this season. Like mm-hmm. I, I keep talking about the fact that like some of these players really need to take advantage of the lack of depth, like a little bit like a key for an Alexander Bjork. Like they've just not yeah. they've not really struck while your arm was hot and all of a sudden you're gonna get you know, the JTs and the Rams and Rory's and Hovland's over at the in Dubai at the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be waiting and, for that. And then it's another year without grabbing a win. So, yeah. yeah. Players like Southgate, as you said, should be targeting events like this. Right, this should be the one, right, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hopefully he goes and has a good week um, for Jason's benefit. He's also gone with John Axelson, um, which, again, was, was close to him actually myself. Like He it, was the last one off for me. Yeah. Like, what's he made? He's made kind of six, seven of his last eight cuts. Uh, the one missed cut coming to British Masters, which was quite a spectacular missed cut, 80 and 77. But um, otherwise, he's been really solid. And um, shout out to Craig. Um, the, the, you know, he's done his sort of DP World Tour podcast recently and, and he interviewed John Axelson and, you know, he said that he was quite confident about his game and things like that. So, um, yeah, lot, always like that. Um Good to, good to hear that the players are feeling comfortable with themselves and, and looking to improve their game. So, John Axelson absolutely you know, get. So, completely understand those three picks from from Jason, Law, Southgate and um, Axelson. I would say Southgate would be the one for me that just wasn't on my radar because of the odds. Um, but do understand mm-hmm. that the links benefit certainly helps. On to both of our second selections, which happens to be... Um, 
you know, someone we align on. So yeah. I'll let you give the spill on Brandon Robinson Thompson because uh, you are the Brandon Robinson Thompson whisperer. And then I'll <laughs> uh, follow up if you miss anything. Yeah, uh, well, he, he's, he calls his followers the Source Army, so I would like to think I am. Should we, should we put that up? If you hashtag that on your Twitter. Yeah, we, we, are, we are hashtag Source Army yeah. in it, for sure. Um, but yeah, this this guy is on an all-time heater at the moment. Um, he's dominated on the Clutch Tour this year, uh, which I've been betting on um, with three wins. Didn't catch any of them. I bet him on the wrong weeks. Um, so I'm not that much of a whisperer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one of those came at Galgorm Castle. Um, he won the Northern Ireland Open by two shots, so that's obviously massive coming into this week. Um, he qualifies for he qualifies for the Open not long after, finishing second in his qualifier. Um, he then got a late call up in uh, to the Maiden Himalayan first EP World Tour event, makes the cut, finishes tied 49th. Um, he makes the cut at the Open. Um, then the week after that, wins the Irish Challenge on his first Challenge Tour start, and since then he's 30th and third. On the challenge tour, so he's taken to the challenge tour like a uh, duck to water. Um, it's just ridiculous, and I, I can't see it stopping anytime soon. I, I remember uh, telling you before we started the pod, like I, I can't recommend you or anyone else more to watch his five-part interview on the Clutch Tour Instagram channel. Um, it's it's really brilliant. Um, he's such an easy guy to root for, um, and he has he has his processes that he sticks to, and it's. It's working an absolute treat at the moment, and yeah, I'm I'm expecting big things from him. He knows how to win, um, and looks to have a great mentality along with the game. And look, it's a course he knows. He's had success on it um, this year, and yeah, I honestly believe he is the winner this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I think he wins. So there we go. Yeah, love it. I love all the confidence in it, and I, I think I think for me with with Robinson Thompson is because originally when you because you said to him that was your first kind of name you're on this week and I sort of gave you my list of shortlists that I'd looked at I hadn't really dived yeah. too much into it and then I came back to you about wasn't that an hour and a half later when I had a bit more digging and said to you how many does he win by um <laughs> and you know these things never quite pan out the way you want them to but what what I loved about it was and you've obviously said he made the cut and him land in the open, but I think they were even more impressive than that, really. Like he was he was 13th for the halfway mark in Denmark in his kind of first DP World Tour start. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe his second. I think he maybe had two overall in his career, but certainly the first of, of any recent time. And yeah, yeah, at least yeah. it's been playing the way he has. Um, makes the cut of the open. He was actually, you know, inside the top 40 um for the most part and just had a sort of tough saturday it wasn't even a bad saturday you finished with 373s but people just played better on moving day um mm-hmm. but he obviously take you know you, you wonder what happens with people directly after an open championship like does he sit there and go you know i've made my first cut at a major this is great i'll just enjoy this for a bit no straight out um opening round 69 gets myself you know in position to make a move at the irish challenge shoots for second round 64 kind of backs up a little bit on Saturday with a 72, but still in the mix and, and closes off with a 67 to win, which is what you love to see. And then even the week later when he finishes 30, if he was actually sixth going into the final round, just run out of steam. And I think that potentially was a little bit of fatigue as, as much as anything. Um, yeah. And then you go, look, okay, maybe he's, he's slowed down at the Scottish Challenge and he goes 70, 69, 69, gets better every round and then shoots the 64 to finish third. So yeah. I think it's, I said to you before, like, and kind of what I alluded to at the start of the podcast, there's these players, and there's going to be another one I'm going to speak about later, that you've got to decide whether this is sustainable or it's just 
a run of form. And there's, there's certainly been a few full storms. We've seen Jens Dan talking people that in recent years on um, the Challenge Tour, just not quite maybe take advantage of it. But they generally speaking, come up to these events at least once or twice and do well. And and you and that's why you expect a lot from them. So I'm thinking he will. I think mm-hmm. he'll go well. Um, not quite as bullish as you. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am I'm pretty much BRT to the moon at the moment. I can't be any. You could buy it. You would. Um, yeah, I can't be any it? bigger on the guy. I I, <laughs> I probably got um, BRT tinted glasses on at the moment, but I'm I'm all for it. I, I really do think he has an excellent chance. Like if you just listen to him and if he gets a sniff of the lead, he just wins. Uh, he just wins. Um, can he do it at this level? That's the question. But I think he can. I think he's just gonna just show up, do his thing, stick to his processes, which you would know about if you, I, as I said, watch that interview. It's brilliant on the Clutch Tour Instagram channel. And uh, yeah, I think he's just gonna get better and better. I really like yeah. him. And I think it goes back to the point, Brad, that um, you know, you say what he would at level. I don't think it's a massive lift up from what he's been doing. So, yeah, exactly so that, yeah. it's certainly a lesser event than the Himalayan where he played well, and it's certainly lesser than the Open where he made the cut. So, um, yeah, I think buying stocks in a golf would be interesting. If I think me and you would be in trouble because we would end up with these. Oh, kind of we really would be. Yeah. Like, what, what was um, that? I think it was. Yeah, what went past. What was uh, that? What went past? Uh, football index or sporting index? Football index. Yeah, I always thought, why is there not a golf index? That'd be quality. Well, it was Dave Coupland, I think, or someone like that, maybe that, that sold stocks in themselves, and you got a bit of his prize money or whatever, rather than gaining sponsors. But uh, yeah, maybe Winston exactly. Thompson's. Uh, well, you probably won't need us this week, but yeah. it's um, an interesting one. But yeah, there we go. Not not to give stocks advice on this because uh, <laughs> we'll certainly get ourselves into trouble there. Um, <laughs> But bringing it back around to the golf, so Jason's fourth of five picks here is Rasmus Niergaard Peterson, which I like. I, I, yeah. I think he's someone that's impressed in short starts. I don't know that much about him. I probably know less about him than I do Brandon Robinson Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I mean, look, 80 to one seems good. Danish players are playing really well, um, yeah. and, and he's shown definitely in the short spells that he's he's good enough for this level. Mm-hmm. Yep, like it. Casey Jarvis for me was was the one. Um, I've really convinced myself that that he's the guy this week, um, which is it was an interesting position to be in. Um, going back to kind of Ferguson and and people like that, like he is another one that is volatile. There's no two ways of getting getting around that. Um, but when he gets into the kind of contention, he seems to hang around. And this year he's, he's he tops the the road to Mallorca standing. So if, if we're looking at this as a challenge tour event, then he is technically the best player this season. Whether yeah. you agree with that or not, because Manasero's won twice, that's you know it's up for debate. But he's got a win three, yeah. yeah, like consistency wise, right? Like a win. Oh, he three could have had so many more wins than what he's only had the one win. He could he could have had like three or four yeah. even. Yeah, like a win three seconds. The the only one the only one of those seconds where it didn't seem like he was going to win was well there was a couple actually there, there was the one where he shot the 59 and still lost by like four and yeah. there was the one that you were on where you're on jj cynical weren't you and he, yes, he yeah, lost that yeah, yeah. four shot so oh, yeah, that was a nerdy watch yeah but, but he's classed he's had a win three seconds and another top 10 in in 17 in five of his 17 starts this year on challenge tour and i love the fact that he went wire to wire at the uran bank open i think it's really impressive for your mm. first win um i think it's great that in the three co-sanctioned events on the DP World Tour this season. He's top 25 in two of them. 
Uh, I like the fact that the SDC Championship, which is a little bit linksy at the time, um, <laughs> he played well in that. And I think that sort of goal should suit him. So mm-hmm. Casey Jarvis is going to be playing on the DP World Tour next season. That's not actually up for debate. So um, we'll get a glimpse this week. I think I think this could potentially. I mean, look, he's been he's been around in DP World Tour events for a while. Yeah, South African events, yeah. And people wanted to bet him, and he's been this kind of number, right? So it's not it's not a massive shock, but I do see him potentially being that kind of 35 to 41 goal for in that kind of kind of sign Eddie Pepper, Daniel Brown range definitely uh, yeah more regularly than what he is in the moment yeah and he's just got a massive ceiling and look as you all all of what you've just said like he he's one of them that we'll be looking at this week thinking why not why not this week you know it's a great opportunity for him yeah absolutely um my final pick is Matteo Manassero um purely just Look, he's won twice on the Challenge Tour this season, and it was always just a question of confidence for him. Um, he obviously tried to change his game and find length. Uh, it didn't go very well for him, but he started showing signs of returning to form, then wins at the Copenhagen Challenge, uh, finishes 19th in back-to-back starts after that, misses a couple of cuts, and then comes straight back and wins again at, the, at his home Italian Challenge Open, finishes 13th the following week in, in the week that Casey Jarvis won. And then even at the British Challenge, he was second after round one, eighth after round two, and just had a really poor Saturday to drop him down the leaderboard. But there could be an argument that he's kind of fallen off, finishing 39th from his last couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. I think Manicero knows this is where he belongs. Um, you know, this is a player that when you look at his OWGR stuff, it's a couple of open championships he's played well in. There's Valspar and Honda Classic. I think he's played well on the VGA Tour. Like he's he's a real player. You know, he's a three or four time winner on the on the yeah. deep world tour in the past so um what i love about it is no matter how long he's been in the wilderness he's still got so much time ahead of him um he has. He's, a, he's actually younger than me which makes me feel old um <laughs> considering how long he's been around but yeah like he's just class i mean he's, what was he a four-time winner isn't he won every year for the first four years he was on tour 2010 2011 2012 2013 yeah um you don't win a playoff at wentworth uh at the age that he was uh, if you don't have it in you. And then the two people he's beaten this season, Casey Jarvis and Will Ennefer. I don't really know too much about Will Ennefer, but he won by three strokes. Um, and Casey Jarvis, I've just spoken about. So um, go back. And you, you actually, there was probably signs of this even early, like he beat Angel Hidalgo at the out, on the out store in 2020. So it's been a s- sort of slow return, um, but all of a sudden he's gone bang with those two wins. Yeah, coming off of missed cuts as well. So. Mm. I mean, he's coming off a miscut this week, so it could work in your favour. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, look, he's not going to have any trouble settling in. You know, as you've already said, we, we, he's what he's already achieved at this level. He's just going to just treat us as any other event. And again, what a great opportunity for him this week. I don't, I don't think there's actually anyone in the field that's got more wins than him. Probably not. I mean, I would have to double check, but McIntyre definitely hasn't. Is Victor Perez maybe? Has he awesome. got? He, um, I think he's got more than. No, I don't think he has four. Has he? I think he's three, right? Maybe he only has three. I mean, they. You could argue they they were quite strong. The Perez, yeah, he's got three, so he's obviously won every mm-hmm. Daniel Link. So you could argue the strength of some of them, but Atagi might be up there. But it, it's a very slim pickings for people above mm-hmm. him um so yeah i mean look he's there um you've got players like tom lewis who's returning to form and he's 66 to one but manasara has won twice and is 80 to one so 
We've yeah. seen Matthew Baldwin's done with revised size challenge tour this season. He's at the same sort of price, and mm-hmm. I just think Manasari's got that. Oh, I just, I just got one, David, uh, David Horsey. There four you go. wins as well. <laughs> no, four so, wins. So You've done me. Um, there was always, there was always going to be one that showed me up somewhere on the list. <laughs> so I was just looking through the field quick. I was like, this could be a good contender. I just <laughs> had to double check it. Uh, yeah, no, it's got to be him. I think there's probably like, it'd probably be someone rogue like Felipe Aguilar or someone that's got more as well. Um, but yeah, point stands. He's he's got at least one of the best win records in the in the field, and he's playing well to do. So um, I like it. Uh, Jason's final pick, Jamie Rutherford. Um, I don't know an awful lot about Jamie Rutherford, so any insight you can give us on him? Uh, yeah, he's a very steady player. Um, so I knew him a lot from the Euro Pro Tour, and then then he's got on to the Challenge Tour from there. And he has really struggled to get over the line, but he's been pretty consistent. Um, but then he would just have a, a classic final round nightmare, and um, it would seem to cost him. But this should be right up. Obviously, he's finished 10th. Um, I believe it was 10th last year yes. in the, uh, coming off the Challenge Tour um, which will give him a lot of confidence going into this week um, and he played alright I think last week as well, I think he finished strongly so yeah I, I, I like Rutherford a lot this week as well, I think it could be, um, could be one of the Challenge Tour players that could cause an upset. Yeah I like it going kind of back to the discussion about whether this is a sustainable length, uh, run of form or whatever whatever you want to call it Jordan Gumberg, Brad, is someone that mm. um, Sky kind of put me on a couple of weeks ago when he was kind of tweeting about players that have, you know, he was talking about his kind of mini tour form in America. Like, we know that Sky loves those sort of things. But yeah. I kind of looked at it. And 11th at the BNL Challenge Trophy, 33rd at the Copenhagen Challenge, a couple of missed cuts. But then he's gone 44th at the Euro Bank Open, where he was actually 8th going into the um, weekend. Then he misses the cut of the German Challenge. Then he finishes 2nd at the Irish Challenge. 46th at the British Challenge, uh, and then the third last week at the Scottish Challenge where he was the first six-hole leader. Um, I just, I see this guy as someone that obviously has a bit more game than we know about. Um, I think we see a lot of these players, and it's it's a bit of a lazy comparison because, you know, he is who he is, but like, you've got like the Sean Crockers and people that come over and they, you know, their their ultimate goal is to get back on the PGA Tour, right? But I think they find a way to get it done here. And it's not like he's, you know, been around forever and been really bad. Like he is, I think he's kind of like 29, 30, but I think he was still in university until kind of like 2018. So it's not like he's, um, you know, that, it's not like he's gone so long without a win sort of thing. So, um, you know, he's attached, he's a Florida kind of guy, but I think him coming over here and the fact that he keeps Monday qualifying to these events uh, says a lot about his character and, Mm-hmm. albeit one bad round at the Scottish Challenge is not going to put me off uh, when he's been second at the Irish Challenge, third at the Scottish Challenge is really good uh, signs coming into Northern Ireland. Yeah, again, I don't know too much about um, Jordan until obviously like a couple of weeks ago and I've just started um, seeing him just been lighting up the Challenge Tour leaderboards and I'm like, oh, start, I should better start to get known this guy, you know, and uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely... Uh, been impressed in recent weeks and I think that second at Headfort at the Irish Challenge could could be a good indicator of that he could go well this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um that's about it really for me. I, I did look at um Jonathan Caldwell that we kind of spoke about the yeah, yeah, merits of yeah. him. Like Jonathan Caldwell, yeah. Um I think that 
Kroisovic coming off a win last week could be interesting. Yeah, he interested me as well. Yeah. yeah. And then Daniel Gavins, I guess, as a, as a former winner, is, is right down there in triple digits still. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously in a poor run of form, 57th Miss Cup, Miss Cup, Miss Cup. But like, I don't think Daniel Gavins has to be in the form of his life to suddenly turn it around here. And no, when you actually look at the Miss Cuts, it was um, a bad one at British Masters, 75, 78. Uh, I think I was on him that week, so that probably says everything. But um, Himmeland, he opened for 76 and then, you know, shot 68 the next round. Uh, and then opened for 69 and Scottish Open went to 77. So mm-hmm. he's obviously got a little bit of something missing there at the moment, Gavins. But the the upside we know with Gavins is a couple of DP World Tour wins. Yeah, he's got a win. Yeah, two wins. Yeah, um, yeah that would be about it for me on the ISPS Handa World Invitational, which is a little bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, yeah. Anything else for you, mate? I've got one more long shot, and that is um, Alfie Plant at 250 yes. to 1. Um, and, yeah, as we've already said, excellent opportunity for a lot of these Challenger Tour players this week. Um, and going back to Gavin's, we saw it in 2021. He was having a fairly decent year on a Challenger Tour. He had five top tens. His best finish was tied sip the Cadiz Open so he hadn't won before and he had two missed cuts at Galgorm Castle before that win um, and yeah that final round of 65 had changed his career and he's, as we already said earlier he's gone on to win again um, so yeah these Challenge Tour players are going to be competitively sharper um, the DP World Tour players have been playing haven't been playing the last two weeks so yeah I think a player like Alfie Plant who has two wins to his name at Challenge Tour level, albeit in France, on a couple of tough courses. Um, I think he could go well this week. He's he's missed out on getting his card the last couple of years, um, and with no wins this year, he might be looking at this event as a potential ticket out. Um, he has played at Galgum Castle a couple of times before. Uh, he was fourth going into the weekend on his first visit back in 2020, and that was at the Northern Ireland Open. That was on Challenge Tour. Um, and he finished tied 21st in the end. He didn't have the best of weekends, rounds of 71 and 70. But yeah, encouraging signs that he took to the course well. Um, he played in this event last year, but missed a cut. He wasn't in very good form at the time. Um, so yeah, I'm forgiving that. And this time round, he's trending in the right direction. He was 25th at the British Challenge, uh, where he's sixth going into the final round, closer around a 77, so that cost him there. And then he was 17th last week in Scotland, recovering well from a slow start uh, with three consecutive rounds in the 60s. So, yeah, I think it's a, a great chance, uh, time to chance players like uh, Alfie Plant. And, yeah, with two wins under his belt, uh, he strikes me as the type of player that could cause an upset this week in, in Gavin's fashion. So I'm going to take a chance on him. Uh, interesting factoid about Alfie Plant is we have something in common, which is not, you know, not generally the case with these professional golfers in that we uh, we shared a former golf coach. Uh, so the person I had uh, golf lessons with last time was Alfie Plant's old golf coach before he changed over. Uh, and he used to be, you know, playing regularly at the golf course that I was a uh, working at the time so um there you go, yeah, there you go. if alfie if you know if if alfie plant wins on the dp world tour it's because of you know, <laughs> knowing the same, same coach. coach yeah uh, well, he 
He was an excellent amateur, wasn't he? He won, he won the Litham Trophy, the European Amateur Championship. He was low amateur at the, at the Open. Yeah, yeah, he won the low amateur at the Open, the silver medal. Um, and But he's 31 years old now, and I just he definitely feels as though he's behind where he's expected it, to be. Like, it, there, there's no, like, there is a genuinely general sense that he is disappointed. Like, yeah. And, and I think it potentially is a little bit, of a mental thing like I think he generally thought he was potentially better than he was um, <laughs> and just took it for granted maybe like I think when you're a low amateur and you only get amateurs to make the cut an open championship you probably think things are going to come easy to you um, and they didn't mm. right and I think he's yeah. put that right over the last couple of seasons uh, as you said those two wins in France he's beaten decent players in those times well he beat Lucas Nemeth and Marshall Schneider in the in the first one and then Rodri McGee in the second one so yep. yeah Hopefully it's on the up. Hopefully, mate. Hopefully this week. It'd be nice. Yeah, absolutely. That well, would be second, nice. second to BRT, of course. Absolutely, yeah. After the source <laughs> where he is. Um, source army. That's it. Source <laughs> army, indeed. Let, let's go over to the BMW Championship. Um, smaller event this week, 50 players. You can almost kind of do two wheels dragging down the old uh, odds board and you're done. So um, mm-hmm. is this a case of there's only 20 players that can win? Uh yeah, I think so. We 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 rarely do we see um an outsider win this event. It's usually a top player, isn't it? I mean, I think it's just Leishman and Keegan Bradley over the over the last yeah. decade. And, and they're like major winners or major contenders, aren't they? Yeah, so exactly. Just like the outsiders, they're uh, they're still very good. And look, I think I think the thing recently in in my head, I was like, because, you know, I made that kind of case before. I don't know if it was with you or with Jason on, on the podcast. I think it might have been Jason. But, like, it was it was the idea that, like, the reason Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon won majors is because they're playing these elevated events so often that there's almost less gap now. Like, they're testing themselves against the best players every week so they know where their game stands. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do stick to that. And I, and I think you look at Lucas Glover winning back-to-back events and think, yeah, fair enough. Like, that still stands. But... I think the crucial difference with the last two events, especially uh, Wyndham and, and this one, is that the driver is just going to be such a big factor. Like, you look at Lucas Glover's only missed cut in his recent run, and it's at the 3M Open where it's quite driver heavy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be the type of course that separates the boys from the men. Um, oh, so, yeah. It's not a bold call to say that someone below 25 to 1 is going to win a golf tournament, but I, I think this is a time where we kind of you don't want to give up on kind of long shots because you never want to in golf because it's fun to try to place. I mean, six places still in a, in a 50 man field is, is promising enough to take, take a shot at some long shots. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I do think it's going to come from the top. So with that mm-hmm. said, Rory McIlroy is 15 to two, Scotty Scheffler, eight to one, John Rahm, nine to one, Patrick Hanley, 10 to one. Um, I'll stop there. Mm-hmm. Cause you've got a selection. I, I was, I was very, I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay in my head. Uh, yeah. I said to you yesterday, I'm going to go with him. Did, yeah. And the only reason I withdrew that process was I just don't believe he's had it this year. I mean, he hasn't had it this year. He hasn't won when he could have done a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. And when you look at his BMW Championship wins, and it kind of Matt kind of reminded me of this yesterday on the Drakens thing, like they're at 20 on 20 odd under par, like. I don't necessarily think he's going to win a four under tournament. Um, yeah, yeah. 14 under last year and, and 27 under when he beat Bryson. Um, this is just a completely different thing. So he's 
He's been in three playoffs in the last year, and he's mm. lost all of them. Um, God, Sting, it must be. like I think that's why I, he's put, I'm put off by him even more so this week because of that. So, like, he lost that one to Scotty, didn't they, where they both kind of tried to throw it away, and then Scotty birdied. Um, that started his great run. But the last two that he's, he's lost to Spieth and Glover have both been – they've made part of him. So it's not like he's he's lost to good no, guys. Exactly. He's, he's bogeyed. So um, – there's something just, mentally not right there. That, and I just think that although he has been a really reliable performer off the tee this season, I just think, yeah, I just, I just have my concerns. So at 10 to 1, I, I couldn't jump on board. Like winning three of these in a row is, is probably quite hard to see. So um, with all that said, Brad, why are you going with the favourite this week? Yeah, so I'm going Roy McRoy. You can get 8 to 1 with Paddy Power. They're doing the some power price. Um, that's what I've taken that. Uh, yeah, I don't, as we already said, don't usually like betting a player this short in the market. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident in Rory's chance this week. Um, as we already said, we often see a shorter price winner in this event over the years. So I do think you need to have one of them uh, big guns, whether it be Scheffler, Rahm, uh, Cantley, or Rory, who I've opted for. And he has, he does stand out as the best choice um, for me. Obviously, um, he's been in ex- exceptional form. Uh, hasn't finished worse than ninth in his last eight starts. Um, last week at Southwind, he finished third after closing a round of 65. His best of the week. He, he hit the ball superbly. He ranked first in the field with total driving and ball striking. And yeah, it's such a massive advantage at this course if you can hit your ball long and straight. Um, no one is doing that better than Rory at the moment. Um, it just feels like a great course for him on paper. And he, he praised it back in 2020 when he competed there. Um, he finished 12th that week, but he was actually leading going into the weekend. Um, there is the vocal concern that Rory doesn't win at tough courses enough, and I get that. Um, he, he has got that a bit of criticism for that over the years in recent years, but yeah, I don't think it's enough to put me off, especially not this week. He just had it on a string um, last week at Southwind, and it's an excellent course fit. And yeah, it was a, a very easy decision for me up top to go for him. Yeah, look, I think I'm I'm definitely guilty of being in that party of oh, if it's less than double digits under par, he's not going to win. But again, Matt on the drafting show yesterday points that one thing that I did like is the fact that he's won two majors by like five and eight shots where like he was the only person double digits under bar. So he's just made yeah. harder golf course to look easy. He's also lost in a playoff uh, at the Honda Classic, I think to Russell Henley that year. And that was like eight under par. So yeah, it's probably, yeah. it's probably not like, it's just, it just is what it is. Like it's not, it's not cause he can't do it. it. It just happens to be that when he's on, it normally happens at a birdie fest. And yeah. um, I don't think someone should really be punished for that. I'm definitely, changing my mind about Rory this season. Like I was very down on him coming into the Masters, even over the summer. Uh, I was just really, really encouraged by how he won that Scottish Open. I thought it was impressive. And people mm-hmm. might look at like a Scottish Open and think, oh, well, that's why should that change your mindset on Rory McIlroy? But yeah. just the way he finished those holes. And then he kind of gutted it out after a really slow start where he looked like he was going to do what he'd been doing in recent years. And um, yeah, just been good since then, hasn't he? And he's been really solid. I mean, He'll be disappointed with his effort at the major, and he does get ridiculed for sort of saying, right, well, it's on to the the FedEx Cup playoffs now, and he kind of puts it up there with the majors. And again, like it's a bit of a weird thing to say, but if that's his mindset, then great. It means he's going to come into these FedEx Cup playoffs and try and win it every year. And 
he's the only three-time winner of the FedEx Cup. So he does really give it this. So I, I was tempted, I must admit, um, which is mm-hmm. strange for me. I, I, I didn't get there because I've basically taken a couple of, I've taken one extra player and I wanted to, um, mm-hmm. which means I've kind of had to avoid this range. But yeah, yeah definitely agree with it. Jason has gone with uh, Patrick Cantley. He's, he's given him the benefit of the doubt, thinks he'll get it done. Um, he's been very high on Patrick Cantley for a long time. So mm-hmm. um, not, uh, you know, a complete surprise that he's on him there. He's also on Colin Morikara at 25 to 1. Um, don't know exactly his reasons why on that, but I imagine it's because he's been driving it well, hitting it well again recently. And, you yeah. know, despite the fact that he was disappointed in the Open Championship, he's he's obviously looking good again. But my first pick at the 25 to 1 range, which was which was a new pick to me, um, wasn't, wasn't necessarily playing on betting him. Um, but Max Homer, it's just been... Really good tee to green last four start, 9th, 25th, 16th and 10th in tee to green. Um, and decent enough with his irons, not, not you know, on fire, but good enough. And mm-hmm. when I think about someone on these kind of classical tests and harder tests, I do think of Max Homer. And whilst the first three BMW championships weren't that impressive for him, he was 61st on his first one, he was actually 15th for the halfway mark. It wasn't great after that, but he was 23rd here, or 23rd in this event last year. And... I think that 10th place finish at the Open Championship has kind of changed him a little bit. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. I think that was a real big kind of monkey on his back. Yeah, so, yeah. 21st at Rocket Mortgage, we know there's a bit of driving going on there. 12th at the uh, Scottish Open where he was, you know, really impressive until the final round, really. Open Championship, good all week, you know, really good for his top 10. He was inside the top 11 for three of the four rounds. And then comes back and finishes sixth. So he's in progressive form, 21st, 12th, 10th, 6th. Um, fourth going into the final round last week. Again, didn't, was one of those few that didn't have it on the final day. But mm-hmm. you look at Max Home, you look at where he's won, I think it kind of translates pretty nicely. I don't I don't necessarily think there's many courses uh, that correlate with Olympia fields. I think it's a really yeah. strong driving test. Oh, US, US Open, yeah, really. Like, yeah. It is US Open, really, and he hasn't done great in that. But, like... Quail Hollow, he's done really, really well twice mm. uh, or, or once and then won again at another Wells Fargo. And then he's won at Torrey Pines. He's won at Riviera. And it's the people he's beaten, though. He's like, he beat Keegan Bradley at um, Torrey Pines. He beat Tony Finau at, um, at Riviera. And it, Keegan Bradley in the second Wells Fargo win. Mm. Cameron Young as well. Like You see these kind of players and think they're the, they're the driving players that you want um, in these events, long and straight. Yeah. And, that's a good sign for him. So I'm I'm pretty bullish on Max Homer, which I wasn't anywhere near that until kind of late yesterday afternoon. So do like Max Homer there. Yep. Don't mind it at all. It's trending. Yeah, he is. He's just, he's just finding form. And look, he's a winner. Like, it's simple as that. Like, 100%, he's, yeah. he is a winner. He's a six-time winner now, um, all in the last, what, four years. So um, even with a period of kind of misforming between that. So, um, yeah, love, love what Max Homer's doing. I think I was always a bit like, I think at the moment it's, I've been low on him because we've had four majors quite close together. Like I've gone, uh, yeah. not majors, not the majors. I think I took him in the PGA thing because everyone wanted him on the US Open, didn't they? So I took him in the, yeah. in the PGA thinking I'll be a bit contrarian and why can't he do well there? Didn't necessarily do it. I think he finished like 50th or something. Um, but that 10 for the Open when I really didn't fancy him uh, was really impressive. So uh, I liked him. Obviously Tommy Fleetwood makes a lot of sense the way he's playing, but, yeah, 
I don't want to be part of that heartbreak. <laughs> I think it's no, just, nor do I. I, just, I, I. I don't know what when it happens. I'll just be so delighted. I just don't yeah, know. If I'm, I don't I, want to put money on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be on it. Like I'll just enjoy it. Um, second pick, consensus pick for you and Jason this week, Brad. Hideki uh, mm-hmm. Matsuyama. Yeah, this is uh, another easy choice for me. Um, it almost seems a little bit obvious, but uh, yeah, I went went for it straight away. I had an excellent charge on Sunday. Um, at Southwind with a round of 65 to get into this week um, and yeah he'll need to produce some more magic if he has any hope of making the Tour Championship the following week but I just wouldn't put it past him he's he's been a bit in and out this year obviously injuries injuries haven't helped matters but it just feels as though he isn't that far away from putting it all together and uh, I, I am a bit concerned with how he hit the ball off the tee last week uh, but that was the first time he lost strokes off the tee in um, six events. So, yeah, I'm just hoping it was more of a, a blip um, because the rest of his game um, was looking in excellent shape. So, yeah, I definitely think he's worth taking a, a chance on. Um, obviously, we know he loves a tough test. Um, and that showed at this course uh, back in 2020 where he finished third. Um, and he has a pretty decent record in this event um, when it's played in Illinois. Um He's finished third at this course, uh, third at Medina and seventh and 47th at uh, Conway Farm. So that's three top seven finishes from four starts. So yeah, some uh, impressive location form um, to add. And yeah, I, I just feel as though he's a, a great each way bet this week. I think you'll really like the test. Yeah, so I'm encouraged by Matsuyama and what he's done recently. I think I think my only hesitancy with Matsuyama at the moment is when he was what he was, before this kind of spell in the last couple of seasons of injuries and stuff, he just had a bit more pop off the tee. And I yes. I just, like, although he's been gaining strokes off the tee, he's been kind of accuracy-based. And I wish he just had the extra punch, which is going to be really funny when I go on to my next couple of picks. But, like, I, I think I think that would be my only sort of downside with Deku because I do think he is coming back into form. I do think that we you should stand mm-hmm. up and take notice when Hideki Matsuyama is in form. And it's just one of those when he's been... I think, I mean, it's a completely different player, but like Benny Ann, for example, was hitting the ball beautifully off the tee mm-hmm. and he was finishing like 25th, 20th, 16th. And you were really just waiting for him to pop and he almost, you know, and then he went on that run of like third and second Benny Ann. And yeah, it feels like that's got to happen for Hideki at the moment because he's been at like 13th, yeah. 13th, 30th, 16th. So at some point we know that the class is there. And I think, I think ultimately like the event form for this BMW Championship, which you can look at um, on tour tips, is, is just really beneficial. I mean, you obviously mm-hmm. listed off the Illinois courses there, but I think all of these kind of, they don't all play the same, and Olympia Fields is obviously a bit of an outlier, but just as part of the world, the time of the FedEx Cup playoffs and the demands don't really change, I don't think. No, no, not at all. Uh, um, yeah, so both you and Jason on Matsuyama, that's, that's um, Jason's three picks rounded off. <laughs> this is where it makes me laugh with what I've just said about off the tee, because Russell Henley might be one of the shortest players off the tee in the field. Um, but I just trust him so much. I, I I just think he's so impressive right now. And of course, he missed that cut at the Open Championship when I was on him. Uh, I was on him and Brian Holman with my two long shots, and luckily one of them come through. Um, a Wyndham Championship, 36 hole leader, shoots a 65 with the lead. Um, and drops down two places on the Saturday, probably thinks, what can I do? Um, shoots the final around 69 and finishes second. So was really impressed with that. And then last week, just got better as the week went on. 67, 68, 67, 67, finishes sixth. Um, yes, 
the hesitancy is that they're shorter golf courses and, and easier for him. But mm-hmm. I looked at him in, in t- what he'd done here in 2020, and he was playing all right for the most part. Um, he finished 25th, but that was because he opened with a 74, and he went 69-70 on a, on a really tough layout to get himself into 12th place going into the final round and just couldn't keep it going on Sunday, shot 73. So, mm-hmm. look. I don't think distance is absolutely everything. Obviously, I think it's a massive help because everyone's missing the fairways more often yeah. than not, and so then you're going to take shorter clubs out of the rough um if you're obviously long but yeah I, 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 it's going to play a bit different i saw an interview from ram yeah. uh saying that it's the course is a lot softer this year so it's going to play longer so i think but obviously the um so yeah that's 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 not going to help so i do think though obviously like the the par fours they're not incredibly that long so i, I do think that the shorter players aren't written off here i just think that the having some length off the tee yeah. is definitely going to help i do think it will help just when yeah. a lot it, of people are missing the fairway so yeah it is that classic thing right like the, the a bit like the uso is it's, it's very similar to the us open i think in like wing foot when bryson got away with just spraying it into the rough because everyone was missing the fairway so you might That's as well right, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Like, it, yeah um but when you look like uh 2020 Matt fitzpatrick wasn't long then and he finished sixth Brian Harmon finished 12th. Um, Cyril Hatton is not the longest, finished 16th. Uh, maybe these are kind of like the the upper limit of what uh, Henley can achieve. But then there was Brendan Todd in 8th, um, mm-hmm. and he was 5th at the halfway mark. If, Brent, if Brendan Todd can finish 8th at this golf course, then I trust that Russell Henley can finish inside the top yeah, 5. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick as well. He wasn't long yeah, that then. that's what I'm saying. Like He, he wasn't the player that, that he is now. So you look back retrospectively and think, OK, well, Fitzpatrick's a big driver, but he wasn't then. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, there, there's a little bit of confidence in that. Completely opposite spectrum. Uh, Tony Finau is the player um, that drives the ball really nicely um, and long at 40 to 1. And here, again, another late ad for me. Uh, fifth here in 2020 with a final round 65, um, which you you might say, oh, he's kind of backdoored his way into the top five. But no, he was he was fifth going into the weekend. It was only a poor Saturday that kind of held him back and it wasn't even, you know, he shot 73, right? Um, he was 64th last week in the 70-man field. Ah, so bloody backed him. <laughs> yeah, which is tough, right? But he opened with 67. Uh, it was 15th after round one um, and he hit the ball nicely. So I think, there's definitely something to Finau this week. Um, yeah, my bus week, isn't yeah. it? Boy? Well, and the other thing is, it's just my last chance to bet him before the year is out. I've basically been off Finau all season, which is good for me. Uh, shows a lot of restraint, um, which I can't say the same for the, one of my other picks in a minute. But he, yeah, I, I think it's my last chance of Finau. I think it's a good golf course for him. And 40 to 1 in the 50, 50 man field. I know he's not in the form that we wanted him to be, but. Um, I'm fine with that. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, and the same price, Brad, someone for you. Yes, Cameron Young. Um, so, yeah, as we already said, a lot of players are going to be missing the fairway. So, yeah, if distance is key, then, yeah, Cameron Young has that in abundance. Um, I was second to Rory in driving distance and total driving last week at Southwind. Um, I just feel like this driver-heavy course should be right up his street um he hasn't really got it going again since uh that disappointing final round at the open last month but there were some encouraging signs last week with his ball striking there it was sort of creeping back to his best 
Um, he wasn't great on approach, but he did start to gain by the end of the week and ranked 25th on approach for his final round. That's good to see. And uh, yeah, like Matsuyama is a is an excellent record in Illinois, which is just a, a bonus when I'm looking at this stuff. Um, albeit um, at a different level to what we're dealing with this week, he won the Evan Scholar Invitational on the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2021. And he finished sixth at the John Deere earlier this year. So there's a little bit of location for him there, which is, you know, always good vibes, I feel. Not that it's that important, but it's just players come back and they, they might give them that little boost, um, having some positive vibes. And yeah, again, on paper, uh, it should be a, a great course for him, but he is Cam Young and he can prove a frustrating player to bet on, um, at least from my experience, and I'm saying this way back from the Corn Ferry Tour days where I missed his wins after backing him through the roof. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's been, it hasn't been a great betting experience uh, with Cam Young so far. So I'm hoping uh, he's got a he's got a reward. He owes, he owes me one this week. God damn it! So yeah, he's got a reward you, and um, he's got to. He, he's there. Robinson Thompson in the same boat, same sort of price. Um, oh, I'd be lovely. I believe for him Maybe he's coming. Um, Look, I think with Young, I've, I've been making this mistake of waiting for him to show some of his irons, and he never has. Um, and maybe that's just not going to happen. Like, maybe that's just not his game. Like, it's just going to be driver-based, and he's, he's just going to... I think it's hard for a player like Cam Young to gain on approach because he hits it so far. And yeah. so, like, it, you know, we have this conversation quite a lot about, like, what is how easy is it to be strokes gain approach positive in that respect? So, um, not, not too worried about that. I, th- I think... I think ultimately he's got to come good at some point and, and you hope it's soon, especially for you this week. So do yep. get that. Um, one player that I've backed way too much this season um, and missed his win, um, Justin Rose. I just, mm. I had no interest. I, I had zero interest. And then he goes and fires off a, a 61 on Saturday. Um, and actually, when you look at the fact that he opened with 76, but then shot 67, 61, 68, to finish 20th it was really impressive and look he's won the bmw championship in the past he's lost to keegan bradley in the playoff he's lost uh, another he's been a runner up in another one so he's got first second and second in this event and he's got really good form in illinois pennsylvania washington he's won the bmw the us open uh, marion the, the 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 couple of events in washington the national whatever it was it was called back then um so justin rose is just phenomenal in this part of the country and just very good at these sort of tests, right? Like I think yeah. I think he knows when it steps up and although you look at it and go, well, his driver's not really been reliable enough and that's kind of showed up a little bit in majors. I just look at his form and, and just love it. Like where he does well, you know, Memorial he's won at AT and T National as I mentioned and Quick and Loans National in, in the Northeast. Um again, Northeast of the US Open win, BMW Championship mentioned I've already mentioned and the playoff loss. So it's just it's just consistently you look at the fact he's won Tory Pines against Adam Scott. He he's he loves these types of tests. And no, whether, no, no. whether his game suits it or not at the moment, you know, it's debatable. But I just can't get away from it sixty to one in a in a fifty or sixty six to oh, one. Yeah. Just when everyone's yeah. starting to write him off after the first round. Like, yeah. yeah, like people are like, Oh, you know, we're in trouble, he's on our Ryder Cup team and he's gonna be awful. Um shoots a 61 like that is just Justin Rose in a nutshell like he's the he's the ultimate grinder and I think that'll serve yeah, yeah. really well if, it, if it's sub 10 uh, under this week so mm-hmm. uh, like Justin Rose and then finally kind of one that you can you can pin your hat on uh, in terms of form for me is uh, Cam Davis like 
I don't know whether he can win the BMW Championship. He hasn't really suggested that he can, but he's just in, he's just in great form, right? He's just, he's trending in the right direction. Um, tenth, sixth, or tenth, seventh, and sixth in his last three starts. He's top Very ten on tour. Yeah, top ten on tour in strokes going off the tee. Accuracy obviously lets him down from being top of the total driving stats, but yeah. I just he does have that kind of ability to sharpen bigger fields, and this is both a big course, big field. He wants to get into East Lake next week, and the big week here will take care of that. So um, he does belong, Cam Davis. I, I'm always a little bit. You see him get picked quite a lot of 33 and 41 in fields, and I always think, oh, you know, it's, I don't really see it. Like I don't, I don't see what you're seeing. Um, he's worthy. Yeah, he is. Worthy. But he is. He he is good. And like I've always, got, I say this about a lot of players, and people that listen to this every week will get bored of me saying it, but I will. I will always take a chance on these type of players when they're 60, 70 to one in a bigger field because I don't think it's the players that's affecting them, like who they've got to beat. I just think they come good at the right time and, and, and it will work. And, you know, his, his kind of form in the fourth for the PGA Championship, the sixth for the players, the sixth in the St. Jude Championship, all of those kind of tournaments, tenth for the tournament champions, his form at the top of his OWGR stuff is basically just big events. Um, so, yeah, he just comes good at the right time. And I think I wanted someone after picking Rose and Henley. Um, I wanted someone that did have that kind of big driving ability and, and he's it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was it for me. I did look at I did look at Grillo um, just because he's playing so well. Um, I think you've got to look at kind of Schenk and Coles if you just want to take like yeah, not, he's, he's probably the long shot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other, the, other person, the other person is is Harris English for, and Todd is like Harris English mm-hmm. led the field and approach last week. Brendan Todd's just been really steady again. Um, you just can't back them all, and ultimately I've kind of hard lined the 60 to one range and below or 70 yeah. to one range and below. Um, as people, I think I can win. So I'm yeah. hoping Fitzpatrick has a good week this week because it's obviously with the Ryder Cup approaching. He, he needs one. He really, he really does. does. Yeah. And obviously, of course, he's done well out in the past. So I'm hoping I he just finishes our top 10 or ninth, preferably, so he takes none of our places up. Yeah, I hate to be <laughs> pessimistic, but I really can't see it. Like, oh, I, just, I can't see it at all, mate. No, that's what I mean. No, it's more wishful thinking. That's why I've got no interest in betting him. I'm just, um, I just feel like he's going to be one of our big players. Yeah, and he's playing absolutely terribly at the moment. No one's really talking about it. It'd be nice. Well, this is the thing. I said to you the other day, and got a little bit of backlash from it on Twitter. But like Shane Lowry, I think's very lucky to be in the Ryder Cup team. Um, I think so. Yeah. I, I know he's playing well, steadily, but I don't. He's he's not had a top ten since he won. Um, Wentworth. I don't think. I think I was right on that. Um, or maybe like top five. I can't remember exactly what it was, but. He's, I did tweet it out. He's, he's not been in contention since he won Wentworth, basically, is, is the thing to say. And it doesn't matter how regularly you're playing. If you're not getting in the mix, how are you going to get the pressure? And the difference with Larry, I could get that we think he's going to be a big-time player because he's won a major and he's he's won a WGC. But it's not like the Polters and the Westwoods and the Garcias in the past have got picks because we knew they could do it in the Ryder Cup. Like, oh, exactly, yeah. It's only Ryder Cup experience when he got one point and we got thumped. Like, yeah. It's not a positive experience. Yeah. Patrick's Ryder Cup experience terrible. Like, exactly. Yeah. It it is a concern. So when you're hanging your hat on those two, Hovland has been up and down in recent weeks. After mm. a, like when when I was like when we were midway through the season, you got Rory coming back to form, 
Rahm, Hovland, Foreign, and all cylinders, you start to think, okay, maybe we can do this. Um, and then Patton's slowly creeping away after a really good run. Fitzpatrick's basically gone at the game unless he's throwing something this week. Rose up and down, hopefully a good week this week. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, it is going to be a really important couple of weeks. Um, it really is, yeah. And, and what's, what's baffling a little bit is that they didn't move the Irish Open or Wentworth to account for these picks. Oh, I can't believe that. Yeah. Right. I, so they're going to pick. Already, I think we've already touched on that. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? They're going to pick after the Czech Masters. Well, what's that going to tell you? Like what? Like whoever's not in now is not going to prove themselves. I don't mm. think here and then the Czech Masters, like the the ISPS hander and the Czech Masters. They're talking about like yeah. Robert McEnroe. I mean, the chances winning that anyway. So yeah, yeah exactly that. Um, <laughs> people are going to but like. I don't think you can look at Ludwig. Like, if you weren't going to pick Aberg, I don't think you pick him because he wins the Czech Masters. Like, I, I think it's tough. So, I mean, if he wanted, to, if he wanted a reason to pick him and then he wins that, that's a different story. But if he was like, nah, like he hasn't done it for me, then I don't know why coming over to a weaker DP World Tour event is going to change that. So, mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't allow Wentworth and, and the Irish Open to play into the selection process really baffled me. But yeah, yeah, we'll agree. see. We'll see how it plays out. But. Let's summarise our picks uh, for this event. So I'm going to go with the ISPS hander first. So Ewan Ferguson at 18 to 1 uh, for me. And then Brandon Robinson Thompson at 50 to 1. Casey Jarvis at 70 to 1. Matteo Manacero at 80 to 1. Um, and then, uh, well, I can't remember his name. Um, Jordan Gumberg at 125 to 1 um, in the ISPS hander. Uh, Brad, your picks for us in that I have gone for Tom McKibben, and that's with Betfred alternative place market at 28 to 1, seven places. Uh, then I've gone Brandon Robertson Thompson with yourself, 50 to 1, six places, Sky Bet. And then I've gone Alfie Plant, 250 to 1, six places, Sky Bet. Yeah, absolutely. You're good at that. You're good at giving the old the, the bookmakers where people can get them. So I'm glad that you do that because I just kind of read them and I don't think Jason even gets the odds <laughs> yet now. So that's always good. Um, but um, for Jason's picks in the ISPS hander, it's David Law and Matthew Southgate leading the way at 33 to 1, John Axelson at 50 to 1, Neergaard Peterson at 80 to 1, and Jamie Rutherford at 90 to 1. BMW Championship sticking with Jason's picks for now. Um, he has gone with Patrick Cantlay at 10 to 1, Colin Morikara at 25 to 1, and Hideki Matsuyama with you at 33 to 1. Uh, mm. Brad, your picks for the BMW Championship? I've gone uh, Rory McIlroy, win only, uh, 8 to 1. Uh, Paddy Power, power price is, uh, is the best price. And then I've gone Hideki Matsuyama with Jason, 33 to 1, six places, Paddy Power. And then I've gone Cameron Young, 40 to 1, six places, Skybet. Yep, love it. Uh, for me, Max Homer, 25 to 1, six places, uh, a couple of places, Paddy Power, uh, Betfair, same sort of thing. Russell Henley, 33 to 1, six places, generally available. Tony Finau, 40 to 1, again, six places, generally available. Uh, Justin Rose for my sins, again, 66 to 1, six places on Paddy Power. And then Cam Davis uh, is 60 to 1, six places with Skybet. Um, Brett. That's it. We, we, we're closing out this kind of PJ Tour season. Or what mm-hmm. you think's closing out because it will start again in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, like it's, I, I'm I'm ready for this PJ Tour season to come to an end. I feel like it's been a lot of just kind of a lot of ways. It's been a lot of positive stories, obviously with you know Clark mm-hmm. and Harmon and Glover and things like that. But been a lot of negativity surrounding the tour this year. So I'm glad to just 
start afresh. Whatever yeah. people's thoughts are on next season, I I completely agree with a lot of them. But like, let's just start fresh, get it going, see what this fall tournament brings and and what it does for the kind of corn free tour graduates, etc. Which is a whole other podcast. Yeah. That's um, always a part of the season. Yeah, and then we will round off this kind of DPR tour season. Um, mm-hmm. We we've got the Ryder Cup to look forward to. Um, Mm-hmm. about a month's time now you know yeah. a month and a bit um important tournaments coming up in between then um brad i think you're away next week for the tour championship but why next week yep otherwise i think me and jason will be back for that and then that'll be that'll be finished off the pga so interesting to see how that goes hopefully we get a winner this week um feels like it's been a while when it hasn't uh, brandon robson thompson i'm telling you now yeah that's the one, mate. I mean, if we can get Brad, if you can get Brandon Robinson Thompson and um, Cam Young in a double, and I'll I'll probably put them in with Justin Rose because he owes me <laughs> he owes me about five grand at this point. Um, we will we will be happy. So, um, Brad, thank you as ever, bud. Uh, we'll catch up during a week, and good luck everyone out there with your picks. Mm-hmm.